Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle. Jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies. Hello and welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host, Brett Ramsey, where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Brett. How are you? Hello, Wendy. How are you today? I'm good. I am surrounded by a bunch of uh, wonderful women, and um, but I know that you're going to tell me a story. So I don't know. Do you want to talk to the ladies first? You want to tell your story first? What are we doing? We're going we're gonna to start with a story. We're actually going to tell two stories today because we have two guests. And uh, of all the podcasts that we've done, uh, I fear this one the most. <laughs> um, our, our, two, our two guests are, are my two daughters. And um, I think as we go here, you're going to understand why this topic is actually about retirement still, even though we're talking to two young ladies in their, in their 20s. And but in order to understand this story, you've kind of got to understand a few others about them. So these two girls are are a, a massive 18 months apart in age, and uh, uh, they have been uh, what I call kind of battling it out since Caroline walked into the world. She's been trying to catch up with Mary Rose, the older one. And uh, I think there's really, you know, a couple of stories I could tell that I think all parents have gone through, but you know, uh, I think the the one that, that makes the most sense is first, I'm going to start with a story about Caroline. So Caroline is, is a person who's motivated in, in, uh, she likes to, to get things that she, she wants. She doesn't want a lot of things, but the things that she wants, she likes to go get them. So when she was little, she wanted to get a pair of, of shoes called Heelys. And the reason these are like, shoes with roller skates inside them. And I wasn't going to buy them for her because I knew that was just going to be multiple trips to the emergency room for broken bones, et cetera. <laughs> but Caroline was so motivated by these that she established her first business. So she sat up a lemonade stand on our street and sold lemonade uh, at a pretty good premium until she got enough money to buy those Heelys. And that motivated her. Now, once she had the Heelys, that business got shut down. She was not motivated by continue, continuing to have the business. But the reason why she had to have the business is because she could never find the money that she was given for her birthdays and Christmas in birthday cards. And the reason why she could never find it is because magically Mary Rose always had two of everything. And what? so if $20 had come in uh, the birthday card for Caroline and $20 had come for Mary Rose. Mary Rose magically had $40 and Caroline had none. And uh, I'm going to let them speak for themselves as we go. But I, I believe that that trend has continued throughout the course of their lives is that Mary Rose always seems to magically know where her money is. And Caroline probably doesn't have much of a clue where her money is ever. Um, but she is motivated and she works hard and she gets things. Uh, and so it's just two different perspectives, but the reason why we're talking about this on a retirement podcast is because a lot of my clients and a lot of the, their financial planning really has to do with their families. 
and not only kind of getting their own financial circumstances uh, and house in order, but also helping their families. And and, I, and I'll be very clear about this is that I get asked this question all the time is who are the people that that struggle in retirement or that run out of money? And the people, I hate using the word struggle, but the people that financially kind of get in jams usually aren't taking care of their own personal financial issues. It's usually because they're helping family members with their financial issues and it's getting their families launched, right? And their kids launched and helping with kids and grandkids and everything. And so lately we've developed a program specifically around helping our clients launch their kids into adulthood and into financial uh, literacy and into financial strength. And uh, the two people on our podcast today were actually our guinea pigs when we were developing this process. Um, They spent a lot of time uh, having to listen to me talk to them about things like uh, financial tic-tac-toe, which was one of our our episodes before. Um, But they're at a stage of life where they're going through college and uh, Mary Rose has got her first job and Caroline's working on getting her her first job. And I just think that this is a, a topic that's really important to our clients of how to help their children and in some cases their grandchildren get launched well into life. And sometimes they have a hard time talking to them about these topics because it can be a little bit sensitive. So uh, luckily, um, I have two wonderful daughters who are not afraid to talk, and they're going to kind of share with us a little bit of their story. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves and just kind of tell us a little bit about where they are in life. So I'm going to start actually with Caroline, because she never gets to go first. (laughs) She's always had to go second. So Caroline, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you're at in life? I want everybody to know that Mary Rose is a swindler. She will take you for everything you're worth. I will will 100% continue to accuse Mary Rose of all sorts of sweatshirt thefts and my favorite books never being where I put them. No, uh, like my dad said, I am the younger of the two here, so 18 months behind Mary Rose, and uh, I would never claim that I'm I'm competitive, but our family is a little bit competitive in every single way, uh, so I, I did struggle my entire life with being, you know, just one step behind Mary Rose and everything, but I have to say that I've absolutely loved, you know, growing up, and I think our parents have done a fantastic job with us, uh, and as much as I hated Mary Rose for a while, uh, the elementary school was not kind. Middle school was not kind, but uh, we we really grew into each other there in high school. We ended up playing the same sports and ended up just seeing a lot more of each other. So I, I will say I, I love her, uh, even if she is one of the only people that can drive me to absolute frustration. And, and, and right now you are a senior. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about where you're at in life. I sure am. Um, so I am a senior at Georgia Tech. I transferred to Georgia Tech two years ago. And so it has been a journey here at, in this semester to try to find a job. You know, working part time, taking classes and trying to find a job has definitely been a tall order. But it's been working out so far. Just got to make it to December. And Mary Rose, tell us a little bit about about where you're at in life. Uh, well, I am the eldest, very much I would like to remind people, even though everyone who meets us does seem to think Caroline is the older person. Um, I am the eldest. I would like to defend my swindling ways, as in I was just safekeeping the money. Okay? If you've ever met Caroline and ever seen the state of her room, 
growing up. That was a hundred percent true. I was the safekeeper of the money in our family household. She had bartered that money away for safekeeping and then just had forgotten to return to the bank. It's like a forgotten bank account. Okay. Our entire childhood. Um, but I am Arrows. I am the eldest of the siblings in the Ramsey household. Uh, I just graduated from the University of Kentucky in May, and I currently work for General Motors. Well, awesome. So we're going to get a, a really, I think, an interesting perspective. You know, a lot of questions that I get are around the concept of helping people plan for college and uh, how to pay for it without kind of getting into the dollars and cents of it. Why don't you tell our listeners, and, and this time we'll flip the order, because uh, Caroline has a slightly different journey um, with, with her college choices. But Lamero, just tell us a little bit about how you chose a college and how we kind of gave you what I call the rules of the road around picking your college. So my college choice option was I was going to apply to as many schools as I can, because with the new Common App style, you just can click, yes, 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 I'm going to apply to all these schools. So I applied to something like 13 schools. And I got into something like 12 or 11 schools. And I had no attachment to any school I applied to, like no emotional attachment at all. And so I was just, oh, I'm in all these schools. And then it comes like April, May. And I actually hijacked my entire family vacation for spring break and said, you must all go tour school to school to school with me. Um, so my college touring experience was a family affair because I played sports in, all through high school. So you didn't really have an off season. And when we toured schools, I like I went to Kentucky and I was like, bam, and I loved it. But then I was like, I don't know, there could be something better. And my favorite story ever about how I picked was at Kentucky. My brother turns to my dad and says, why are we going to Alabama? She's decided she's going to Kentucky. Can't we just go to Nashville and have a fun rest of spring break? Um, I had not decided, but my brother, my dad, and my mom, my sister all knew I was going to Kentucky then. I, one of my major deciding criteria for me was scholarship money. So I went to Kentucky on a full tuition scholarship for four years, which for me was a very big deal. I worked very hard in high school to achieve that scholarship. And what I will say about having a full scholarship for at least for tuition and everything takes a lot of stress off you. It takes a lot of stress off your family. Um, I, it was never an argument of, hey, you can only take 14 credit hours this year because it's all you can afford. That wasn't a conversation. So it definitely helped me excel in my education. Uh, when my parents set up my scholarship and everything, they said, hey, you can use the money we set aside for college. If you get a scholarship and you think you can make your money last for four years, you can use the money we set aside for a car. So I got to use that money and got bought my first car as a sophomore in college. And with that definitely enabled me to afford the car, pay for the car and succeed. Yeah. So that the, the financial parameter is you kind of, when you were making your decision, you knew how much money was available. And, you know, could to be very clear here, could you have gone to Kentucky if you had not received the scholarship? I probably, I think without the scholarship, yes, but I definitely would not have chosen Kentucky. I would have gone to an in-state school for a lower cost. Going out of state for me was only available because I got a scholarship. And then in the preceding years, I actually ended up getting three more scholarships that paid overage to me that paid for my housing for the next three years. So the... Every time I would get a scholarship, like even if I had already had my tuition paid for that extra money, I would be like, oh, that's room and board or, oh, that's like gas for my car. And so I, my, my expenses were minimum through college outside of, obviously I had like, I got to do a lot of very fun experiences in college. I got to do two study abroads, compete in research and travel extensively with my research lab. And I definitely used the money that normally would have gone to paying for school to pay for those experiences. Yeah. 
And, and I will have to say that during her entire four years of college, uh, she never asked me for one dollar. I, I would also like to point out that Mara's game the system. I don't know what magic she spun, but she was on top of the system in terms of figuring out scholarships and how to get every dime out of the university. Well, there's no doubt that if there is a lemon and you need some juice squeezed out of it, you should hand it to Mary Rose. She will squeeze all the juice out of the lemon. But back to, but she she knew the parameters going in. So the part of her story that I think our listeners need to to hear is that she got that opportunity once she earned it, but because she kind of knew what the parameters were that she could afford right and then she used the resources that she had to do these other things the the study abroad and 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 a car while I'm having that conversation the other Ramsey child that's not on here today is working through this decision he's a he is nearing the end of his high school experience and and we had to have that conversation if you go there i don't think you're going to have a car because there's no more money in the in the in the pot so now caroline had a little bit of a different journey and I'd like her just to tell a little bit of, of why she chose what she did originally. Cause I think some of it might've been a little bit by financial, but it was also how she was motivated. So, um, just, just tell us your, you know, college selection story there, Caroline. Yeah, absolutely. So my college journey, like my dad was saying was not exactly orthodox. I decided in high school that I wanted to do something that would challenge me. And one of the big things that I was struggling with, one of the things that I think is a big area of growth for me is my people skills. And so with that, I knew that I wanted to help people and serve people. Uh, And I also needed to work on my people skills. So with that, I decided to go to West Point, run away and join the army. Uh, So definitely on the financial side of things, it was really nice to not have to pay for college. Uh, In fact, I was actually getting a stipend, although if anybody's ever heard of the military, you know, the story is they give you $100 and then take back 99 of them. That is 100% true. Uh, There's a lot of money that I paid taxes on that I never saw. Um, But it was definitely an interesting time. I went there for two years and I really learned so much. But at the two-year mark, I kind of had to have a real talk moment and decided that being in the army, you know, for the next eight to 10 years really just wasn't what I wanted to do as a, you know, 19, 20 year old. So I decided to pivot hard. And so I decided to apply to other colleges while, while I was there. Um, I, I had not decided to leave West Point until I had already applied to other colleges. That was a big thing. Uh, but I decided to apply to other colleges. Uh, I applied to four other colleges, I got into Georgia Tech really last minute. Um, it was fantastic. And one of the things with going to Georgia Tech now is that because I'm technically a recently separated veteran, I'm actually eligible for in-state tuition, which really freed up a lot of the opportunities there in terms of tuition and not having to pay quite so much for the out-of-state tuition. Um, with, with that, uh, being like technically in-state, I was also eligible for like the Hope and Zell Miller scholarships. So that was fantastic um, opportunity. It really allowed me to go to Georgia Tech where I was going to get an excellent mechanical engineering degree and have to worry less about paying the crazy out-of-state prices, even though, you know, Georgia Tech is one of the more affordable uh, engineering schools. And and because of those decisions, I know this past year when you uh, were getting an internship, you also uh, faced what I call a transportation need. So maybe you can just tell us about the choice of 
how you went about the process of figuring out how to actually buy a car. Absolutely. So one of one of the kind of important things here is that uh, my dad here loves his loves his nice cars. He likes to keep them very clean. We weren't allowed to eat in the car as a kid because then it would smell like food, um, or we would get ice cream on the seatbelt. That was absolutely not allowed. Um, but I knew that I didn't need a car that was that nice. I was just driving around downtown Atlanta in my college kid lifestyle, going to my internship. So I really just needed a car that would get me from point A to point B and a used car worked for my purposes just fine. However, um, because, because I was able to like not pay tuition and not have to take out money in my first two years at West Point, I had some extra money saved up in the bank that I had not, I did not need for tuition. So with that, I was able to apply that money towards getting a used car. I ended up getting a used white truck. Turns out if you just drive a used white truck, they'll basically let you on construction sites by yourself. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but it's been really good for me. But one of the things with facing the the car issue was that it's difficult to find a used car, especially nowadays, that doesn't have a ton of mileage on it. Um, that is also, you know, going to keep running uh, in the future. So for me, I ended up spending a little more on the car than I probably would have originally liked. Uh, simply because I knew that it had less miles and it was a newer car. It was a 2020. So it had, you know, depreciated that that first big chunk, but it was still, you know, fairly expensive for, for a used car, but it had less than, uh, I think, 40,000 miles on it. So it was really big that I was able to get a car that I knew I wasn't going to have to do a lot of maintenance on in the next couple of years. So I could keep my, you know, maintenance costs lower, even though the upfront costs might have been a little higher. Yeah. No, uh, hey there, Delilah. That's the name of her car. And then uh, Mary Rose's uh, Black Betty. You can hear the uh, musical choices that they were forced to listen to while they were driving around in in, in my car for all those years. Um, but you know, you, you're talking about some of the decisions that you've made, and and um, and, and once again, uh, you were, we're talking about some choices and career choices and and things that um, really set our ability to earn, at least initially when we're coming out of college. So maybe just share briefly, I know what you guys are studying and why you studied it, but but why did you choose the actual careers that you did and and share that a little bit with our listeners and how you thought through that choice. So let, let's start with Caroline, because you'd mentioned you're, you're doing mechanical engineering. Yeah. So like my dad said, I'm doing mechanical engineering. It's been fantastic. For me, the choice of doing mechanical engineering was mostly driven by my passions. I really enjoy taking things apart, putting them back together, uh, making sure everything works right. Um, uh, problem solving, crisis management, those things are things that I have found a lot of passion in over the years, but uh, it's never hurts that engineering is also one of the better paid disciplines, especially straight out of undergrad. Um, that was kind of a big deal, knowing that going into undergrad, knowing that I could perhaps take a little bit more expensive of a route um, because I knew that mechanical engineering was going to pay out at, at, at the end of it because I was going to be able to get a good job with a, with a good income straight out of college. So that's definitely something that dictated my transfer choice to Georgia Tech. I knew that because going to a good engineering school was going to allow me more job opportunities coming out of it, I was able to you know maybe pick a slightly more expensive school in, in all things considered. How about you, Mary Rose? 
So my college decision was not dictated by passion. I came out of high school and like, I knew I was like good at math and science, but I had no great like love of tearing things apart. I did not know what I wanted to do. I actually came into college with like a list of mile long. So I graduated with a chemical engineering degree with a focus in environmental science, biopharmaceuticals and leadership and management, which is a lot of words that says I still don't really know what I wanted to do when I was a senior. So I was just trying to maximize my options since day one. So I carried a pre-law major for three years because I thought I was going to go to law school. And I then I carried a pre-med major for three years because I thought I was going to go to med school if I didn't go to law school. All of that went up in smoke when I just found out that I could use my four-year chemical engineering degree right out of the bat and didn't need a master's. So for me, picking my degree and finally like locking in on chemical engineering was a 100% a financial decision. I got to school and I had every intention of going to a four-year master's program after I finished my engineering degree, either to get a PhD, a doctorate, or my law degree. And then I started looking at the financial options if I did that. So for me, after four years, I was going to graduate basically debt-free, which is the biggest win I can count for for going through college. And graduating debt-free for me, then just to go to another four years of school where I didn't necessarily have a scholarship, where I didn't necessarily know for sure what my career options were going to be at the end was a big choice. I, when I got to my senior year, I received a job offer from GM in September, uh, but was still actively applying and taking my GRE for grad school and for law school and my LSATs. But it's really hard to say no to making a lot of money to go to four years of losing a lot of money. So I did, um, I actually did like a financial outlook like thing that said, in, if I spend four more years spending this amount of money, how long is it going to take me to make that money back? And at that point, I was like, it's not even an option for me to go to four more years of college to get a law degree or to get my master's because it would take me, you know, two decades to earn back my earning potential. And I didn't even know at that point if I was going to be in the workforce for two decades, if I went to have kids. So um, I have a new, I have a new catchphrase now, maximizing earning potential early. It's actually one that my dad and my grandfather taught me. Um, because I am a woman in engineering and my job is very demanding and I work very odd hours. Um, actually, like I go into work after this podcast and I work nights. So that's not something that's sustainable if I want to have kids someday. And so my whole focus right now is maximizing my earning potential early. So for me, that was getting into the work first as fast as I could, making as much money as I can while I still have the opportunity to do it in my chosen profession. Ah, the joys of compound interest. Uh, we're talking a little bit about that and 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 career choice and and time of money and, and things that are are maybe difficult topics for parents and grandparents to talk about with their their kids and their grandkids. But Mary Rose also mentioned a very important figure in in this process, which is, in their words, grandpa. And uh, my father is a big part of this planning process. That this is a part of his legacy. He can really look at his grandchildren and know that he is a part of all of them because he spent time with them and talked to them about these things. And, you know, she meant that, that, that expression was one that she learned through conversation and relationship and in, in, in our family and that we we've talked about these topics, but I know that, that Mary Rose is recently because she has gotten newly employed and she had to go through something what I call it's very challenging for almost everybody when they first get employed, which is, actually picking their benefits. So maybe you could just share with us a little bit, you know, and, and Caroline's not quite there yet. I mean, she's had to do a little bit of this kind of, of stuff during her internships, but just kind of, if you were trying to like 
warn people that were a little younger about preparing for that? Like how, what were, what was that like? What was the challenges of, of, of getting enrolled in your benefits plan? I will say it's very daunting as someone who's never really dealt with that. Um, the only thing I knew about insurance was growing up, we had a high deductible plan. And that meant that if my brother broke his arm in March, everyone else broke everything else in the rest of the year. That was all I knew about insurance was that once someone in my family broke something, everyone else needed to get all their broken bones in that calendar year. Um, but that wasn't, that was it. And they, the first day of your job, they sit you down in like a four hour meeting and they give you a list of things you have to pick in a week. And I had no concept of like how much money I wanted to put in my 401k. I didn't know what type of coverage I needed for my, I had to like put beneficiaries down on my life insurance. And that was just a lot of decisions and I didn't know any of them. And I wish looking back now, like obviously I could go to my dad and I was very lucky to have my dad that was very knowledgeable and knew how to walk me through this. But the thing I will say to other people is if you don't have someone in your life that hundred percent knows what they're talking about, do not be afraid to reach out to HR or have someone say, Hey, like I'm new and I don't know how to can you guide me through these options because like my dad and my mom pushed me to get more insurance coverage. And I'm hundred percent glad I did got the insurance I did because then I legitimately got struck throat like a week after I started my job and had to go to like the doctor four times. So that's like definitely something that like, if I hadn't gotten the insurance coverage, I would be paying a lot of money for. Um, and so there's just like decisions like that, like matching my 401k with my employer, making sure like I max all that out. Like I didn't even know that was a thing until I talked to my dad. So there's a lot of ways to make mistakes, but also you need to be aware of like, once you make a mistake, it's definitely correctable. You just need to make sure you're reaching out to the right people. Well, and the good news is, is that I can be everybody's dad. And I'm just joking about that because when I was Mary Rose's age and Caroline's age, and I started my first job and I was in that same HR meeting back in 1994 instead of 2023. So you can see there's just been just a little bit of time has passed. It's the same. Like I was in the same meeting and I helped everybody enroll then because I had my dad. Right. And what I've talked about, and the reason why we've launched this program to help our clients, beneficiaries, and develop this is because you may not be that person in your family that knows those things. And that's okay because that's a little bit of why you know me, right? Is that my role is to help answer those questions. And so to Caroline, that's that's the question that I have for you. Like if you could kind of go back and tell parents or grandparents. Like what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had and how can they help you and, and what has helped you the most, you know, the, as you're putting together your own personal goals for what you would like to accomplish? For sure. With that, I just want to touch on saying that I have benefited greatly from the 18 months separating Mary Rose and I. I get to watch her make all of her mistakes and then make sure that I do just whatever she figured out already. Um, it's, it's definitely been very helpful with that. And, uh, but as for challenges, the biggest thing that I always am like asking dad for is advice and about things that don't come up as a kid very often. Finances really don't come up as a kid all that often. Um, you know, insurance doesn't come up as something a 12 year old thinks about very often. Any, anything like that is definitely just outside of the scope of the blinders that, you know, kids tend to wear. So definitely dealing with that as it comes up, because as, as somebody who's, you know, very young, you go into that and you feel just so far out of your depth, 
you just don't even know where to start asking questions. So having those conversations with your kids early, like making it so that they're, to use dad's words, financially literate, right? So like they just, at the very least, know what the words are, what the questions that the other people are asking mean is huge because that just brings the like barrier for understanding and like for asking clarifying questions down so much. So like when I first went to West Point, I actually went through a lot of the same stuff Mary Rose did in terms of like, you know, choosing benefits. Uh, Cause I, I, I did technically like join the army. I was active duty for two years. Um, so I had to write down a life insurance policy. I'd have beneficiaries and I was 17 and stress sweating from basic training at the same time. I had no idea what I was doing. But um, even with that, talking to some of the other people that were at West Point, I had a base level understanding better than a lot of them, like in terms of just understanding like what the questions they were asking us about health insurance and 401ks and, and life insurance even was. So I will say that that was probably something that's been the most helpful to me is as much as we joke about, you know, Thanksgiving dinner generally includes a rundown of the stock report, right? Also, um, and all of our all of our family dinners are uh, definitely, you know, we end up discussing like the state of the economy of what's going on right now. It's been very beneficial to keep it so it doesn't seem so foreign and so mystic and so odd um, and outside of the realm of possibilities because it is something that's very very real and it hits you like a truck going into adulthood all of a sudden something that you have to deal with uh, like your own finances. And so being able to like, even as you're like doing taxes and doing, um, you know, talking about your health insurance, just being very open with your kids and just kind of like keeping them in the loop, I'd like to say, right. Obviously they don't need to know everything, but kind of understanding what's going on has been something that dad and like mom have done a really great job of being very open with like, Hey, this is what we have going on right now. And I think it's really benefited both me Mary Rose and our little brother a lot in terms of just understanding. I can't be more agreeing with Caroline on that. The best thing my mom and my dad ever made me do was file my own taxes the second I got to college. For context, my mother is an accountant. She legitimately files taxes for her job. And I thought, you know, I get to college, my mom's just going to take that off my plate. No. My mom and my dad are like, we will help you, but you will file your own taxes because when you get a scholarship for college, you have to file taxes to maintain your scholarship status. So I got straight out of, I got straight, I'm 18 years old and they're like, you got to file taxes. I've never filed taxes in my life. And I have a list of like a hundred dollar summer jobs that I got 1099s from that I have to go through. And I have the most complex tax situation you can ever imagine. Like my taxes take me weeks to do. And at the time I would just bemoan that. I'd be like, why is my mother who could do this in 10 seconds making me do my own taxes? The best decision she ever did. I know how to do tax returns. I know how to, at least I knew like what my financial situation was. I understood like the differences in tax law and like, why am I getting more back this year than I did last year when I worked less, you know, situations like that. I also, it made me very aware of my financial situation because um, part of my scholarship, I like, it doesn't ever get taxed. So the first year I ever made money off of my scholarship, I had to pay like all of it back in taxes. Like I didn't get to keep a cent of it. And it came around in tax day. And I was like, what do you mean? I need to pay you multiple thousand dollars. I'm a kid out of college. And that was something that like you had to learn. And then you had to budget for paying that money. And if my parents hadn't made me file my own taxes, I would not be prepared for that. Like tax season does not scare me anymore. And that's the best thing ever. 
Awesome. Is there anything else that you think that um, someone who's maybe at or near retirement that's trying to deal with their kids and grandkids, what any other advice that you would give them that you would say, hey, make sure you do this? I would say, and Caroline can kind of speak to this a little bit too, set very clear like expectations. Like your and mom and dad, your mom and grandpa's expectations of us were that we go to school or we use this money to like set up our life. And like, this is the money we had. So like, if you burnt through it really fast, like don't come asking for more money. Like this is it. Like it's, this is, this is what you get. And for us being very aware of that, very cognizant of it. Yes. We made decisions. Yes. Did I use some of the money set up, set aside for college to go on spring break as a senior a hundred percent. Um, but that like, I was aware of that and I had, I'd saved it and I had like hoarded my money for four years. And then when I got to spring, spring semester, my senior year, I was like, Oh, I got a little money left. I'm going to Mexico. And that like was a great, and no one ever judged me for doing that. Does that make sense? No one ever judged me for the way I want to spend the money you gave me. So that's something I will definitely say is set expectations and set boundaries, but also if they do everything and then they have extra left over or they've budgeted really well and they want to do something fun, don't necessarily judge them for doing that because that will just make them like feel like downtrodden in the future. Mara said about setting expectations and being clear with money. We never were under the impression of like monopoly money or credit card money was like different somehow than real money. Uh, we were always very aware that like, you know, if you're spending money, somebody had to earn it, right? If you're earning money, like you can't just spend it. That goes towards the various expenses that come with staying alive nowadays. So being kind of very clear with money is real. It is not a fictional thing that lives in the bank. It is not something that just like your parents just have. The fact that it was, it came from somewhere and it, it was very, very real like Mario said, it allowed us to have a better understanding so that we could spend it on things that we wanted to spend it on. And we also knew that there were things that like outside of our budget range or times that we needed to budget more. And we were able to just be cognizant of both the money we were earning and the money we were spending. So I think definitely kind of pulling away that curtain and getting rid of a lot of the mystery behind like what money is definitely helped. Awesome. Well, I was very fearful of this podcast today, Wendy. I'm not going to lie. These are two of the uh, most important people in the world to me, for sure. And uh, one thing I've learned about them, though, is that you can never really count on exactly what they're going to say. Um, I was really <laughs> hoping for a, an embarrassing story or two, Brett. <laughs> oh, that, that's no need for us to bring all that out into the light. We can, uh, we, can <laughs> we can keep that for yeah, another podcast with another topic. But yeah. um you know what what I, I really uh, am glad one that they they really did speak what I call from from their heart. This wasn't scripted as you know I don't know how to write a script so that that didn't happen. But like what you heard there was what I call is is two young ladies that are um venturing out into the world and they feel I think that they feel confident. You know one of the things that we talk about is is that we're trying to help our our clients have a confident retirement, right? And so you have to help build confidence in others by allowing them to make some of their own decisions, right? By allowing them to learn, not just from their 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 successes, but also maybe from some of their missteps, from some of the mistakes that they made, and that that that's okay. That's the whole part of learning, right? So as we're as we're trying to to map this out, one is is that that's why we've developed this program to help our clients help their beneficiaries 
become confident in their own financial choices the same way that our clients are confident in their retirement decisions. Uh, because we can't predict the future. We can only prepare for it. And then what we can do is is have contingencies, be pre- be ready to, to pivot, I think was a great word that Caroline used is that sometimes things change. And what we thought we were going to do, we don't do. Hopefully that's what our listeners got today is that help your family become confident in how they think about and handle money, that it's not, it can't be an accident, has to be on purpose. You have to give them the opportunities to make their own choices. You can guide them, you can give them advice, but ultimately they have to live their life and they have to make choices. And if we don't equip them well, how are they going to be prepared to make confident choices when the time comes? So hopefully that's what I I wanted our listeners to get out of this is that I I see two confident young women that are making the choices that make sense for them and that that may or may not be the choice that I would make or that their mother would make or that their grandpa would make, but they're, they're, they're making their choices and they know the resources that they have to make them with. And so that I'm excited about, uh, this is, uh, been a really fun for me to hear them. There's things I even learned today that they had not told me before. So that's always good. That is always good, isn't it? (laughs) That's why I like to drive carpool. It was kind of a fascinating way to learn about what my children were actually thinking and doing. There's a lot of times that I was sitting up in the front seat of that car driving, pretending to listen to 80s music when what I was really doing was listening to what was going on in the world of my children. But you knew that, didn't you girls? Yes, my my dad has not keep kept his uh, secret listening of, of at all. We we knew the <laughs> '80s music was just a cover. No one can like hair rock that much. No one can. Wait a minute. <laughs> We're subtlety. The entire subtlety boat missed our entire family. Okay, not one of us has ever been subtle a day in our life. So if if my dad says that, he's lying. Uh, it, he probably was trying to be subtle, and he looked about as subtle as a six foot four man can be. Well, this has just been a delight for me. I wish that you guys could come back every single week. Uh, but in the meantime, Brett, if somebody has some more questions, how can they get in touch with you? We know we love that interweb place and they go out there and they find us at artisanwealthstrategies.com. And that is really the best way to connect with us. And from there, you can uh, just ping me, get on my calendar, just have a conversation with me. You know, I uh, love learning about you and what's going on in your world. So that that's the only way to do it. If I don't know you, I can't help you. So please uh, come visit us there on the website. All right. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Mary Rose. Thank you, Caroline. And thank you for listening. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.